Well hello, I'm Martin and thanks for choosing to listen to this special edition of the Snooker Social Bite Size Podcast. It's been a strange time for us all at the moment and, and no matter where you're listening uh, in the world, there are issues taking far greater priority than sport right now. But that said, the lack of snooker, football, golf and everything else is leaving a big hole in many of our lives, perhaps more than we ever thought it could or certainly more than we would ever admit it did. And in snooker, it comes at a time when Sheffield's annual celebration of snooker should be well underway with the qualifiers for the World Championship. It's not just the fans that are affected either, of course. For most of the 128 professionals, it's a sudden halt to their incomes and livelihoods, much like many employees around the world. And it's not just the players, of course, there's the officials, the staff and everyone else, and I'll look at that in a bit more detail shortly, but first, I'd just like to put on record the very best wishes of the Snooker Social podcast to Barry Hearn, the chairman of World Snooker, PDC Darts and Matchroom Sport. Barry suffered a minor heart attack last weekend, and it's great to hear that he's back on the mend, and hopefully we'll be back ruffling feathers again as soon as possible. So with the sudden pause to Snooker coming immediately after last month's Gibraltar Open, Two of the biggest opportunities this season to earn the biggest ranking points have disappeared with the cancellation of the China Open and the postponement of the World Championship. And of course, ranking points directly amount to prize money in the current system, so for example, getting through qualifying and just making it to the Crucible is worth £20,000. And that's, you know, a lot of money to a lot of the players, that, maybe not the top players, and that's why I've not mentioned the Tour Championship. That would have featured eight of the elite players. But for the vast majority of professionals, earning hundreds of thousands of pounds simply isn't a reality. So the top 50 players on the, the one-season ranking list at the moment, they've earned £40,000 or more this season. And, and that demonstrates the opportunities that are there for the pros now if they're good enough. A lot more tournaments and, and everything else on the tour, so it's, it's really good to see that. It means that more players than ever before can make a, a living playing snooker. There's more opportunities, more money in circulation, but does that mean that, that there, there are players that will struggle? Well, it still does, in fact, mean that. You, you only need to look at two seasoned professionals in Ryan Day and Rob Milkins to see how difficult it is to reach the standard. Both have earned £30,000 so far this season and set 65 and 66 on the one-year list. But what that means is there are 62 more professionals who haven't earned £30,000 in prize money this season and that's the reality of life on the tour. Uh, for many of the guys in that list includes former ranking event winners and a number of veterans who... Hopefully they would be happy with me saying they earn their living with a microphone rather than a cue these days, but for youngsters starting out, they will be heavily reliant on sponsorship and other support to allow them to hone their skills and learn their craft. Take young 17-year-old Wee from China as an example. Although the sport is expanding globally, it remains very England-centric with the vast majority of tournaments and all the qualifying events taking place there. It means players like CJ we have to make incredible commitments to take part on the tour as a full-time professional and handle all the mental and cultural baggage that comes with that at just 17 years of age. 
and this is his first season as a pro and he's earned 17 and a half grand. He looks like a, a very gifted and talented player from the matches I've been lucky enough to see him in the flesh this season, but the reality of it is CJ Wee and others couldn't survive without their state-sponsored funding and support, and that's a mechanism that just doesn't exist for young players in the UK. So, sponsorships and maybe parents with deep pockets are, are perhaps some of the only reasons that some players don't need to follow the likes of Gary Wilson's example and drive a taxi on the side to make ends meet. And Gary himself, of course, has come a long way since then and he's now a top 20 player, but he is an example of someone who did have to fight hard to get there and you know he might otherwise have been lost to the sport. There might be other players who have gone the same way who might now be top 20 players had they stuck to it. So it's going to be a long and difficult few months for many in the sport, whether it's players, referees, TV crews, table fitters, World snooker officials, I, I could go on, and they all play a hugely important part in delivering for us all year long, and I wish them all the very best. And looking to what happens next, well, that's all a bit up in the air at the moment, really. You've got Q School, which would have been happening in May, that's postponed, and that will lead to doubts over next season's calendar, uh, where the early events are, are concerned. The Tour Championship is currently rescheduled for the 21st to the 26th of July, but since that was announced, there's also been talk of the World Championship actually cutting across that weekend. And bear in mind that with restrictions still potentially in place, we're also talking about potential closed doors events here. So we'll just have to wait and see. It looks like every effort will be made to ensure that the traditional season finale does take place one way or another. And the way the snooker season works these days, we're, we're now used to events in July and an Asian leg of the tour across August and September, so there is likely to be some reshuffling required here. And of course, there is that new, highly lucrative Saudi Arabia Masters event that's scheduled for the start of October. And I think it's safe to say that that's probably one of the least likely events to be moved if a shortened season does require a few casualties along the way. But all World Snooker can do now is wait. They will, of course, have plans and fallback options, but there isn't any point in making all that public at this time. So what can snooker fans look to do in the meantime? Well, there are other podcasts out there. You've got Dave Hendon's uh, Snooker Scene podcast. It's probably the best and most informed one out there. World Snooker have also got one. I'd say the focus on that is a bit more... Um, trying very hard to be random and zany but uh, it's another option that's out there there's some great uh, fan blogs to read as well one of my personal favourites is clusterofreds.com some of the latest pieces there include his dream snooker venues to attend and the best players not to win a ranking title there's also a new online magazine that's starting uh, this coming week actually it's called The Chalk and you can sign up for free at thechalk.co.uk the first edition there, uh, from what I'm reading, it says it'll have a feature on Alex Higgins and also some interviews and, and guest blogs, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And for TV snooker lovers, the BBC uh, are coming to the rescue to fill that horrible gap in their schedules where live World Championship action would have been. They'll be showing Crucible Classics every afternoon on BBC Two, and that starts on Saturday the 18th of April with Steve Davis against Tony Knowles from 1982. Right, you can get in touch with me on Twitter and Instagram at Snooker Social, 
or by email at snookersocial at outlook.com. And thanks so much for listening. Your feedback is greatly appreciated and it's a pleasure to have filled about eight or nine minutes of your lockdown time. So I'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.